Hey, everybody. Welcome to tonight's Late Night Happy Hour. Brian Kamenetsky and Andy Kamenetsky uh, coming to you live. Live! Um, and we'll be joined very shortly uh, by Sirit Soe from Yahoo Sports. Covers the NBA for them. Does a fantastic job doing that. She'll be along very shortly. So... No shortage of stuff to talk about tonight, Andy, to say the very least. Yeah. Uh, do you want to begin with the uh, the the biggest let's, let's, and maybe well, the weird? Here's, here's the agenda. Okay. Here's the here's here's things that have happened. Are you are you are you offering a dealer's choice right now? Not necessarily. I think we'll probably okay. start with LeBron, but that's uh, you know. But you got LeBron signs the the two year extension. Um, which is sort of a one, a, a, an extra guaranteed year for him. When you're when you start getting at the level of these guys who have all these different player options in short term deals, it's very difficult to figure out what the actual extension is and like yeah, how I, much I don't, of a, right, like I how much know. of commitment there actually was. You know, like like if his intention was to opt out as quickly as possible, then the extension is longer. If his intent was to actually stay as long as possible, then it's not that long of an extension. You know yeah, what I mean? I, like it really just starts turning into what you're paying LeBron. It's it's so hard, like because the stars, Andy, have so much control. We're going through this right now with Anthony Davis. You know, the stars have so much control over what type of contract that they want to sign. And there she is. And there she is. Hello. How are you guys doing? Good. good. How, How are, are you? you? Good. Good. Good you to will- be back. Yes, and, and Brian's awake. That I am here. Yes, yes. What a Brian's... lovely surprise! No, we we promised you this time oh. around professionalism, mm-hmm. and, and we were we were not lying. Like Brian was going to be awake at the top of the show. Right. Uh, for those who don't remember, the last time uh, Sirit was with us, the show started late because Brian was asleep. And unfortunately, I the old <laughs> I, software I that the, I fell asleep on the couch. The old software, the the platform we used to use, because of the way we had set it up, I was incapable of starting the show without him. This like I true. would have absolutely done it. It just it didn't work that way. Brian <laughs> had to start it. So we're just waiting. I'm very controlling in that way, Sarah. I don't like other people to yeah. touch the button. I think I think that's smart. I think that's smart. If you knew Andy really well, you would definitely like. You don't want Andy to be the IT guy, but um, well, thank you for coming on. How are you? How I'm you been? Well. I'm doing well. I think I repaid your guys' professionalism this time by being a few minutes late. That's fine. <laughs> you know, it's a long, you know it's what? A long the whole show. thing comes around, and frankly, it's karma that we deserve. So it's fine. Fair enough. Fair enough. So you, I, I, I spoke to you. Uh, you know, we texted last week to see if you'd be able to come on this week, and I asked you how your holiday was, and you mentioned that you know Canadian Thanksgiving, um, as you are a, a proud Canadian, although you lost in Canadian trivia the last time you were here. Yes, uh, shameful I, moment. I plan to lose again once more. <laughs> yes, tonight's game is, is centered around hall, uh, our annual Hallmark movie quiz. We should also point out we we are going to uh, post this. Uh, on the Land of Lakers blog too, as a as a as a crossover podcast, since we're doing so much basketball tonight. Um, but uh, I, I asked you, you know, how was? I, I said I hope you have a good holiday. And you mentioned that Canadian Thanksgiving was like a month ago. Mm-hmm. Can you explain to people what is Canadian Thanksgiving? It's the exact same thing as American Thanksgiving. So what? But what's the story? Is it like the same story? Oh God, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I, mean, I, I imagine there's probably some similarities i think you know are, are are the canadians trying to 
We're about the same. So. Are, are, are the Canadians trying to uh, paper over how badly they treated the original uh, residents of this country with a lot of really good food? Like the, the yeah. way we're doing it in America? Perpetually, we do that on Canada Day. I think it's really like one of the only things that brings the country together. Is uh, <laughs> Canada's, Canada's whole identity is like pretending it's awesome. So <laughs> it's for the course. So is that is that is that a big lie? Because I've always bought into it. I've, yeah, I've, I'm 100. I I think we do all right, and like I'm definitely appreciative. Don't get me wrong, but like like any country that has its issues and it has a like a pretty nasty history with the way it's treated indigenous people that it likes to forget and paper over with the fact that like you know it's also e very easy to be like hey we're better than america um well uh, currently the, these days it's not a lie yeah we made some small improvements i think since early november but yeah. <laughs> but so yeah. like i i do think canada at least is polite enough to put like on their welcome to canada slogan pretending we're awesome since 18 whatever like mm -hmm. i don't know what the exact what would be the exact date where you would say like we're canadian independence like what's your 1776 uh, i believe it was 18 oh, gosh this is bad. This is why I lost the Canadian trivia, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, this is a bit of a scathing indictment of the Canadian educational system, by the way. 67, I believe. I believe it was 1867. You're going to Google that right now. And I am. <laughs> when well, I mean, the, if, if it makes you feel any better, um, the, the game that we have tonight, it's part of our annual uh, Hallmark Christmas movies quiz. And typically what we do is I give Brian the title mm -hmm. and Brian tries to guess the plot and I basically give him a thumbs up, thumbs down. It's my own discretion. I try to be fair okay. in terms of how close he is. Mm -hmm. But tonight, since we have you involved, uh, we're going to reverse engineer it. I'm going to give you the plot. Mm -hmm. And then and it's a real plot of a real Hallmark Christmas movie. Okay. Um, and then a bunch of titles, one of which is real, a few, uh, two of which will be fake. Mm -hmm. And you guys have to try to come up with the real title of the Hallmark Christmas movie. Do you watch those? No. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Go great. Well, I mean, you're like, look, this is great. Really looking forward to the end of the show when we get to play this game. Well, I mean, are, are you familiar with the formula? <laughs> because they're, they're, they're all basically the same uh, movie. Yeah. No. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, you'll, you'll start getting it. I, you're yeah. very, you're very smart. You're going to get this after maybe one or two. Like, even if you miss the opening two, I, you're going to start picking up the pa the pattern on all this. Uh, I think we're off to a great I, start. I think so, too. I, I, ima I imagine Hallmark Christmas movie is exactly how it sounds, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. These are not yeah. these these are not intricate, like th you're not talking about like the Christmas version of Inception. Like, these are not very complicated plots. Okay. Okay. I can pull this off. Yeah, I, I know we will. I think so. Um, <laughs> so we were we were just about ready to start talking about the uh, the LeBron extension and how. We, first of all, we were struggling a little bit with the math. Like it's like it's a two year extension, but it it, it eats up one of his option years, and so it's really yeah. only like as far as I know, LeBron has actually just been on a really really high paid hourly for the last couple of years. Um, but what you know what when you saw that 85 million bucks for a couple of years with ad still a, a free agent what'd you think 
Well, I mean, initially I was definitely surprised just because I didn't I didn't have LeBron extension on my free agency bingo card this year. So that was obviously a little bit of a shock to to me. Um, but then I thought about it and it wasn't I guess it wasn't that surprising. I mean, we've seen him. Yeah, I've heard some people say this is like, you know, him realizing he's mortal or whatever. Um he signed a long term, longer term deal with the Lakers than he ever has in his life. Like I, th- I think he started doing that pretty much right then. Probably speaks to the fact that he actually like likes and trusts the Lakers and has continued to do so. It's interesting. Like this is a guy who's never really seated control before, and he's done it now twice in a row. Definitely. Is that is that the reason? Sorry. Is, is- is that ultimately the reason that you said you it wasn't on your bingo card that it, that it would be surprising the the willingness to see control or was it a different reason? I mean, I just LeBron always tests the free agency waters, right? You just kind of figure that he would. It, this is definitely a departure. He's never signed an extension before. Other than I don't know, I'm sure he probably I I don't know he probably signed his rookie extension without right like. But other than that, he's never really done this before. He's not a guy who doesn't test the waters. I mean, LeBron free agency is kind of a hallowed tra- tradition among NBA fans. <laughs> much like much like Canadian Thanksgiving. Exactly. Exactly. Much like me getting my ass whooped in these. Uh... <laughs> you don't know yet. I'm telling you, you're, you're going to okay. pick up on this. Okay. Okay. It's a little like when you, I think it may be very much like when you, you know, you're like, you take a beginner to the casino and they've never played craps or blackjack or whatever. And they walk away with a giant stack of chips. Yeah, develop an addiction. Um, Similar. Yeah. That's, just, that's more my story. Highly, right. highly cynical today. For some reason. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, to me, it felt like pretty surprising because he's not going to go test the waters. The fact that it's until 2023 is pretty interesting. Like, that's obviously when Bronny can then go and, you know, if if high school players are then allowed to, to declare mm-hmm. that would be the year that he would maybe enter the NBA. Maybe LeBron wants the freedom to go play with him. Um, but, yeah, it, it makes sense logically. It just it, I was only surprised because, you know, it was a Wednesday and just didn't see it coming. What about you guys? I, 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 I didn't, it never occurred to me because, you know, honestly, the biggest thing about it was we've spent so much time talking about Giannis and the, you know, the free agency thing and like all this, and this, you know, more or less takes the Lakers out of a lot of these derbies, as far as I can tell with the math for next summer. And I mean, I'm not good at adding, but you know, 40 million for AD and 40, whatever for LeBron doesn't leave a lot of room for Giannis. And so, you know, we've spent so much time talking about cap flexibility that the idea that LeBron would give it up seemed odd or just unexpected. But it makes yeah you know, a few people have written about it. Like, it, there's a big difference between going out and being the guy who holds a franchise's feet to their to the fire and all that when you're 31, 32, 33, and you have a bunch of years left. And the franchise you're with, especially with Cleveland, is one that you can't totally trust. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think the, you know, when you're 35, you look around and you say, or was he 30? He's, he's, he's still 35. He's almost 36. He's going to be he's almost 36, 36 like 30. any day now. Yeah. And so you, know, you look around, you're almost 36 years old. You've got Anthony Davis with you. He's not going anywhere. You've got a, a you know, franchise that's in, in pretty good shape. And like, where is he going to go at 37? Like, how is he going to hold their, I, I just, at this point, that 
thing that he used to do doesn't have a context anymore, I don't think. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I think that's a good point. Like, I think it speaks to the fact that the Lakers are definitely just more functional than the, than the Cavs ever were. And Anthony Davis is the best player he's ever played with. Like, this is a guy that he can legitimately, like, LeBron can age and it will be fine. And he will mm -hmm. age. It will be fine. Like, AD is going to, he's entering his prime. He's going to keep getting better. Yeah, so it just makes sense. Like, why why leave this situation? He wants to be in L.A. Like, it's it's a springboard for whatever he does after he retires. His family is now there. Like, just doesn't, doesn't make sense to go anywhere else. He has nothing left to prove, no hometown to go win a title for. Just makes sense. You know, it's interesting, too. You, you mentioned that AD is the best player he's ever been with. I also think, too, he's really enjoyed this process of mentoring AD and, like, playing a role in bringing out the best in Anthony Davis and bringing out the best in Anthony Davis ultimately means, you know, helping to shape a player that's going to make his own life so much easier and extend his own career. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's, it's an act that's both selfless, but also, you know, self-interested and, and he really seems to enjoy it. Like, you know, when he and Wade played together, they enjoyed it, but it was a different type of dynamic. And, you know, there was, not in a bad way, but I think there was more of like a push pull that had to be established. And, you know, famously Wade ultimately had to tell him it's, you know, it may be my franchise in terms of sentimentality, but ultimately you got to be the guy, mm -hmm. but that doesn't seem to exist right now. The, the two of them play off each other so well. And, and he really does seem to be almost, I want to say taking a back seat because it's LeBron, mm -hmm. but he does really seem to be willing to see like an equal type of ground with, with AD. Yeah, that's definitely been the most interesting development of his Lakers tenure. And I think it's really admirable, too, because that is clearly something that he had a hard time doing in Cleveland. Maybe it was also, you know, just his relationship with Kyrie that seemed to impact. And I imagine he learned some stuff from that relationship, too. Like, he definitely didn't necessarily handle it the best way. He was, like, at least in public, he was patronizing in some ways. And I think with AD, he's been the exact opposite you know, I think he's gone out of his way anytime you hear him in the media just to say, like, AD is his own guy. Mm -hmm. like, I'm lucky to play with him. Like, you know, it's just like it's just a, a, def a deference, I guess, and a respect that he really only like I, I think I think he had it with Wade, but has never necessarily had it with a with a younger player. Yeah, and we talked about he talked about Kyrie like he was a child. Oh, yeah. Like he'd literally call him kid, you know, like that's just not cool. Like, you can't. No one likes being called kid. <laughs> like, let alone. <laughs> Not even children, like actual children, don't not, like my, it when you do that. Not cool with that. <laughs> the, the best kid story ever in the NBA, the best referring to another player as kid, was when Kobe referred to Raja Bell as that kid. And he's like, Do I know this kid? And I mean, not only did he clearly know Raja Bell, Raja Bell had been in the league four or five years. Kobe had actually played against Raja Bell in the 2001 finals. Raja Bell was older than him. And he was referring to him as kid. That's it was so fun. It was the most amazing shade. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it also, yeah. I mean, I don't know how close LeBron is to the the billionaire mark yet, but that's we've always known that's an aspiration of his. And you know, he was gonna probably make the money anyways, but this tax another almost hundred million dollars onto that. So like guaranteed. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I was somebody left a great tweet on our timeline. And it's absolutely true because some people are talking about this, like you know, and we'll get to the Kobe comparison here in a second. But like, the, 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 like the, this is the Lakers rewarding LeBron. It's like LeBron's still like 
No. At at worst, the second best basketball player on the planet. Yeah. Nobody's giving him that money right now. Right. It's like everyone would. But, you know, so, you know, the real reward for LeBron, like the thank you contract, comes at the end of this one Mm -hmm. where the Lakers give him like 30 million or something. It's not quite 45. Better than. Exactly. Yeah, that's. You you know how much this is gonna. You get. Did you guys see the number of how much this will give him in career earnings when it's over? Yeah, four hundred and thirty-five million dollars. Four hundred and thirty-five million. You just mentioned, uh, sir, the the desire to become a billionaire. Like you know, that's that's been talked about before. You know, LeBron wanting. Mm. I don't know if he's ever openly talked about, but it's been talked about by people who've reported on him that, you know, he has this desire to become, you know, a legitimate billionaire. Can you imagine what it is like to be LeBron and you go to the ATM and you make a withdrawal and you get the receipt with your balance? That's got to be absolutely. I don't think he keeps all of it in his, if he wants to get to be a billionaire, it's not all in his checking account. If he, if he keeps. I like to think that it is. Like, let's just. (laughs) with <laughs> what do you think it's like in a mattress <laughs> like where do you think he's keeping i mean money? doesn't he have like like uh like a like a like a like a like a etf you are know? you accusing lebron Stop. of having an offshore account brian i heard the s like i feel no. like i mean but like he's got stocks yeah. he's got real estate he's it's not all just sitting in his checking account <laughs> earning 0.8 percent <laughs> he's got some liquidity though i mean i i, I imagine even a hundredth, even like one hundredth of his net worth would be an inc- impressive receipt. I like I like to think of LeBron as like we were talking about gambling earlier, right? I like to think of him as a guy in the Vegas casino who goes to the ATM constantly because they always think that they're only going to spend like a little bit more. <laughs> and like him getting, I don't know. I'm just like, I think from watching Trainwreck, I like to think of the, the idea of LeBron being like a little bit cheap because it's really funny to think about. <laughs> like he him, says he is. Him yeah. just, him just, oh yeah? Yeah. Oh yeah, okay. This is not a joke. I, I have the non-subscriber version of Pandora that, you know, the free version you don't pay for. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I justified this is I heard LeBron say that he doesn't pay for his Pandora either. And I'm like, well, look, man, if LeBron has decided it's not mandatory to pay for the Pandora, then I certainly don't need to. Like, if he can sit through the commercials, I can sit through the commercials. So there you have it. LeBron James. I also also think this really drives home how much money a billion dollars is. Because, like, you think about it and, like, we talk, like, how much was his Beats deal, LeBron? It was, like, seven gajillion dollars. And he's made a you know 435 million just on basketball salary alone. Good God, I don't want to even know what his Nike deal is and all this other stuff. Is he not a billionaire yet? Like that's a, like that tells you how much money a billion dollars is. Yeah. Because LeBron James is extremely rich. Yeah, I remember. I th- I think I don't know. Was it like when Beyonce and Jay Z together at a certain net worth? I was like, really? Like it took that long? And then like then you <laughs> realize like, oh wow, no, that makes a ton of sense because like you said it is a lot of money somebody in the chat saying that he is already he is already he might be i mean i would i i I would think maybe yeah Yeah, with with the combination of everything he's done right now because like you have to include the fact that there's so many endorsement deals that have come with all of all of his years that are probably netting him more money throughout right but i mean if you think about it like let's just say sir that i gave you 980 billion 980 million dollars today 
which you might already have. I don't know. Oh, sure. sure, sure. Um, <laughs> but like, that's not a billion. $980 million is a lot of money, but it's not a billion. $500 million is a lot. It's enough. Mm-hmm. It'll get you by, but it's not a billion. A billion's I mean, a lot. If you want to, I mean. Well, the, the low-key way, by the way, that LeBron really manages to keep a lot of money is because he's so famous and because access to LeBron you know, is worth so much to so many other people, mm-hmm. the guy gets, I guarantee, a lot for free. And never has to actually pay for anything. So the money that he actually earns, and you know, there's just gazillions of dollars, a lot of it just sits there because he doesn't actually have to spend yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. What do you think is like the most ridiculous briefing he's gotten? Ooh. Oh my wow. god, that'd be a great, great question. I'm sure I'd like to think he didn't keep it, but like, you know, it's like the Oscar you know, basket. That, you yeah. Know, like that, Keanu Reeves get. is notorious for gifting all of the free stuff he gets because he's Keanu Reeves. Like he, he's apparently just fantastic with that. I don't even know what you like LeBron James asked for it. Like what product he couldn't get for free. Like, I mean, has Other he ever than been maybe a- like there was an era where courtside, like Dr. Bus would not have given him courtside seats for free. Like they always made the stars pay for the courtside tickets, but like I can't like if LeBron wanted a free Lamborghini, they'd give him a Lamborghini. Like Lamborghini would do that and just be like, "We need to take one picture with it or yeah. something." That's so goddamn. Pays that is the best basketball player in the world. That would be a great question. Like if you ever got him in the right yeah. mood, yeah. Like just like what's the coolest free thing you've ever gotten because you're you're LeBron James. Like, it's probably really, really impressive. A Hummer. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah, that is, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, that that Humvee. Uh, That's got, right. Got him in some. Got him in some trouble. Yeah. <laughs> that actually uh, caused a bit of a a bit of a stir back in the day. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the irony. <laughs> probably, probably also good to, to clarify that you were talking about the, the the car, as people are pointing out in the chat. Um, but the the it. That that God that was like what was the story about that? That was when he was in high school, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it wasn't it wasn't free. I don't think it was free. I think uh, I think there was a guaranteed loan that something like that. I think his mom was able to secure from a bank, which is totally fair because I think you know the bank, whatever bank was like betting on LeBron James being pretty good and being able to pay that back. Obviously, <laughs> made good. Yeah. That's not exactly Sports Illustrated cover too. Yeah, that's not exactly the highest risk loan (laughs) that that bank has ever put out. Like the bank putting out the loan that I would be able to repay the Humvee. Like that—that's actually taking a risk. Like putting it on LeBron. That's that's really really you know as it's as it's being pointed out to us uh, on the chat, LeBron's mom got him the Humvee, and it was very suspect from such a low income family or that's the way it was perceived but again when you start thinking about like okay we all know where lebron save any type of catastrophic injury is headed he's going to have the money for this Humvee. Yeah. you know so like like uh like a lot of things but that that's, ends up being what's made a crazy deal about really lebron was. like th- that's like the second biggest controversy of his career yeah for for as long as he's been in the spotlight that to me is just mind blowing mm-hmm. 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 it's he's really 
uh, is honestly like one of the most I mean, LeBron's impressive, obviously in a lot of ways, but that might be. <laughs> can, can you expand on that? <laughs> 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 what, what, what's he done that makes you? Sure, we didn't, we didn't bring you in here for just the raging hot takes. Uh, okay. I think you made a really good bet on Blaze. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Mm-hmm. All it kidding is good aside, pizza. it's not bad pizza. No, but that was kind of ahead of its time. In the way that he did that, it actually was. It actually was. Yeah. So, um, yeah, go ahead, Andy. We were talking, we were going to get into uh, the other surprise of the day, which was Russ uh, for John Wall, which, you know, had been rumored, but, you know, the latest reports had been that it was actually not going to happen. Then all of a sudden it drops in everybody's lap. What's your reaction to that deal? Because there's, there's, I think, a few different ways you can look at it depending on who you're focusing on. I think my biggest, my biggest question in this deal is definitely John Wall. Like there was a time that John Wall was an excellent point guard, like one of the smartest players in the NBA, one of the best passers, like modern passing point guard. Still couldn't really shoot, but like you know, was able to catch catch three pointers. And what's going on in the chat? Am I? Is this like an inside joke? Uh, what is it? I don't see it. Uh, you guys just all uh, consistently saying no, it does not. Is that one person saying it? Then it sends. Oh, it's one person. It goes to all three oh, feeds, and so okay. it pops up. It goes to all three of the places where this thing goes live. Mm-hmm. So it's it's in reaction. It's by in the reference way. to this. Uh, delicious pizza. Yeah, it's it, the, the kid from NYC says Blaze Pizza is okay, but doesn't compare to Delicious Pizza. Delicious Pizza, of course, is a sponsor of the Land of Lakers podcast. So, which, by the way, we that. should point out because it's a crossover episode. Two locations: uh, one in Hollywood, one West Adams. Awesome pizza owned by a Laker fan, massive Laker fan. And if you use the password Cam Brothers, you get twenty percent off. So again, great pizza, support local business, especially at this time right now. Delicious pizza, Hollywood and West Adams. And pizza is, is a is a favorite, my understanding, a favored food on Canadian Thanksgiving. It's what the Canadian pilgrims ate. No. <laughs> <laughs> we actually eat the exact same food too. I know it's hard to believe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I get mean, your, sorry. Get guys. your own ideas. <laughs> I think we were first, actually. Oh, sorry about that then. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, your, your reaction to the Westbrook question. Yeah, your your yeah. reaction to the deal. Let's get to that, please. Um, I think it's a you know it's like interesting moment to kind of do a rip retrospective on both Russ and Wall's careers. Like, did we really think it would end up like this for either of them, especially Russ? I think I probably believed in John Wall more than your average. NBA fan, I always was pretty high on him. Uh, but, you know, it, it, I think it really, it, it kind of shows you that a lot of stardom is really finite. Like, John Wall was an excellent point guard for a really long time. And then I think really got bogged down in the Warriors, in the Wizards system. And, like, just, you know, I don't, it's hard, who knows exactly what happened. But, you know, over time, started becoming a more selfish player. It started, like, getting into it with Bradley Beal, like they obviously had some drama. They've both kind of caught like John's like commented on his contract situation, like making less money than him. Like there was obviously, you know, something that happened that slowly I think turned him into 
a less efficient basketball player on the court, but like fundamentally this was a guy who came into the league and like really like wanted to be a good teammate and was skilled and, you know, saw the three point revolution coming before a lot of other guys did was one of the best, you know, kick out passes in the league and, and really made the wizards more efficient, helped Brad find his way. And then, you know, it just, it all kind of broke down. Like the place I always go back to is, is the series against the Hawks. They were up, I think they were up three, two and wall, like I think falls on his wrist and, and breaks it and he doesn't yeah. play in and the Hawks win and God, Mike Budenholzer saves his reputation one more time. And then we see it again against the Celtics. Like this, that team was much closer than I think a lot of people ever gave him credit for. Cause I think they were an underdog in all of those series. And I think mm-hmm. that's what happens. Like when you are an underdog in those series, if you lose close, like people kind of forget that you were close and they've been close. They've been close a, a couple of times. And it's just like, it, I'm, I'm curious to see, like the first thing is obviously, is he going to be healthy? And then like, does... And then what does healthy mean? Like when, you, when yeah. you've when you been gone for two years or you stay on the court for 72 games, great. But like, what are you? I mean, honestly, if he can stay on the court, I think that'd be a big win for him. I, you know, just given what the last few years have been like, and then you kind of go from there. But like, that's, that's obviously like, to your point, a huge question what he's going to look like. And then from there, it's like, okay, is this change of pace? Like he's going to be helpful for him. He's never played in a system that doesn't have you know guys in the paint bogging it down first of all like he actually hasn't really played in the modern NBA really like not as like the John Wall that we like you know thought that he could be and then you know he's never played with a guy like Harden will that change him will that kind of bring him back to maybe being the guy that maybe we thought he could be and then on on the Russ end it's it's just kind of funny that he ended up with with Scott Brooks like kind of like hearing hearing that he wanted to uh to get back to, you know, the old OKC culture. Like I imagine the old OKC culture is a lot like, hey, Russ, just do whatever you want. We'll let Do, you. Doesn't it feel like, by <laughs> the way, see why he likes it. That, that trio, <laughs> that, that original trio in OKC with Harden and Westbrook and KD, it just seems like they keep kind of reuniting with each other or looking to reunite with each other because you got Westbrook. I mean, you had Westbrook and Harden playing together. Then you've got Westbrook now going back to Scott Brooks. You've got the rumors that Harden wants to go to Brooklyn to play with KD. It's like, can't we just get them all back together again? Like, can't, can't we find each other? Make it like that meme. Like, have you guys seen those pictures that have uh, like the three of them in the same picture? And it's like, wow, imagine if this ever happened. Like, just- <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's it's hard not to wonder when once you've been in a situation like that. I do I do wonder if that's part of it, right? Like, you're always going to kind of want to know what it would have been like. Uh, so yeah, like I think. It's interesting. It's also kind of funny to me that, you know, both of those teams have two guys that everyone's really interested in seeing where, if and where they'll get traded. And both of those teams traded the other guys in those equations. And, and then like, too, it's like you like James Harden is obviously and demonstrably an excellent basketball player. Like it's, I, we're not having like, you know, I, I realize from the playoffs, it doesn't always work. I'm not having the is James Harden good debate with people. That's just dumb. Mm-hmm. Uh, Russell Westbrook, the the size of the contract makes him, you know, kind of win. But the guy is still an really good. I mean, it's, it's all know, NBA last season. Yeah, I mean, he's really, really good. Yeah. But you start in, but in Wall, let's just pretend. Even let's just pretend that Wall is pretty close to what he was or whatever for a second. Like you start the combination with the except to take Beal out of it for a second. You're talking about three guys that 
Like, I don't know how any of them play together. Like, this, the stylistically, mm-hmm. Westbrook doesn't seem to really fit with Harden super well. Wall's not much better. And Wall's like, a worse fit, I think. In some ways, you know, and then, you know, you put Westbrook next to Beal, that doesn't, mm-hmm. it's maybe a little better than Harden. I think that can, that, doesn't, that, that can work. I don't know how any, I but like, Westbrook and Harden particularly are two guys that, that are hard to picture with anybody at mm-hmm. this point. Like who fits, who, what superstar player is a perfect complement for James Harden if he's going to play the way that he has for the last couple of years? Chris Paul was pretty good. Um, but no, I think, I think that's a really good point. And I don't, th- I don't think either of these teams solved any of their problems, right? They're kind of just, trading places and see like they're almost playing swingers like it's like mm-hmm. we'll see what happens like just freshen things up like essentially it's not like you're trading the same player for 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 the same player they are different if wall is healthy i do think that he will fit into houston's dynamic better although we will have to see what it looks like with a new coaching staff but you know given the personnel they got with christian wood like he'll play the he's kind of he's a perfect mold into what the rockets mm-hmm. have been like if you look at personnel it doesn't really look like they're going to change too much um I think Wall will make better decisions or is it capable of making better decisions um, in a way that I don't think Russ ever was. But like, there's a good question from, from, from one of the listeners about whether he can ever play off the ball and he's never had to. And I think, I think that's, that's a really good point. He's bigger than your average point guard, but it was, it's, it seems like that was kind of a point of contention in, in Washington. He did seem to want to handle the ball, and he hasn't really ever had to do it, so that will be a right. thing. Sure, and too, I mean, you talk about the, the speed thing. He wasn't very good at it either. No, but like the, the 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 John Wall style. I remember watching him in L.A. I think it was a Drew League game that he popped up, and it was like I have never seen a person get up and down a basketball court faster than that while dribbling, like mm-hmm. not just running wind sprints or something like that. Like it was it was amazing to see, and everybody, I think because D'Antoni was there and and you know they they shot a ton of threes whatever kind of thought of people think of the Rockets as a team that plays fast because they shoot threes and D'Antoni likes offense they were so flipping slow and so like if Wall can run can Hart does Harden want to run with him like do they only run when Harden's not there I mean like I just I, I I have questions I have a lot of questions I also wonder if, like, with a new regime, will there, I mean, John, there will be, like, a precise focus into what the team should look like in the way that there was in previous years. Like, are they even asking those questions? We don't really know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I mean, everything that you hear is that the Rockets want to keep uh, – a desk want to keep – they have no desire to move him at all. And, you know, enough people who are really plugged in are saying the exact same thing. So I believe it. That being said, if you look at the recent moves they've made just on paper, you know, trading Robert Covington, you know, the best perimeter defender they have by a long shot, you know, for really nothing tangible in terms of like, an you know, another actual player, anything like that, bringing in John Wall that you don't know what he looks like and Assuming that he even looks like the player that he was before, he is generously an awkward fit with Harden on paper. You've got Christian Wood, who people may be excited about, but he's totally unproven for the type of aspirations that Houston says that they have. Mm -hmm. Like, 
on paper, these look like moves that are daring Harden to publicly ask out. You know what I mean? Like they're they're not the type of moves that you would make if you really want to show to him we are serious about winning right now, which is apparently the thing that you've questioned with us with Daryl Morey leaving, Mike D'Antoni leaving, the way they went out so badly in the playoffs. The, these aren't the type of moves that I mean. I, I understand that some of them may be the, the stuff that you had to do in terms mm-hmm. of moving Russ, and Russ is not going to have you know a, a seller's market for him but these aren't the type of moves that on the surface make you say all right Harden's gonna be like I I get what you're doing I can see the direction yeah that's a that's a good point I I do wonder what Harden's real motivations are though like how badly does he want to win a championship is a real that's a fair question for me that's a very very fair question um to be quite honest, I, I think that – and it's it's not that – I mean, when we're talking drive with these guys, I, I hate – I always hate to, to I don't know, like dis, dis their motivations. Or it, it required to get to the level so, they are requires a certain like amount. You're at the 90, like even like when I say this about James Harden, I still believe he's at like the 98th percentile of competitive human being. I just <laughs> – I, I I feel that though if he was ninety nine, they probably would have won a championship already. Well, you know, I mean, I mean here's the, it's an interesting question. Like the Nathan Mark asks on mm-hmm. on the chat, like he's James Harden's played with three Hall of Fame guys, yeah, and it kind of hasn't worked for whatever reason with all of them. And you know, look, I mean, some of it is you know you run into Golden State at the wrong time, and you know Houston was as competitive with Golden State as any team in the league just not better. So like, it's really hard Mm -hmm. to win in the NBA. But that said, like, that is a good point. Like, it's not that he's never been surrounded with talent. He's had plenty of it. Yeah. I mean, like one thing I I will say though, in his defense is like, if you do keep putting a ball dominant player next to point guards, like maybe that just isn't the right fit. Maybe there's something Mm -hmm. else that, that would work a little bit better. Um, and I think I think I saw somebody say that like Westbrook for Paul George is probably the trade they should have made. I think that would have actually made a ton of sense. But it's funny actually, like if you look at like the people that are involved as a story in this, like I really like the idea of, of James Harden and, and Brad Beal playing together. I think those guys that would be perfect in a similar way that Paul George would like really cast right. out each other's weaknesses and like would would complement each other. And like I think I think Beal can can play off the ball incredibly well. He can also be a good secondary scorer. He's also, man, like he's so underrated. I feel, I feel, I feel horrible for him in this situation. Like, and the fact that I feel like he's been such a good sport about it too. I saw, I don't know if you guys heard him on, on JJ Reddick's podcast, but like, you know, yeah. like JJ gets the guys to be a little bit more honest than usual. And like, you know, I got the sense that Brad was willing to give them a, a shot because it's a new regime, but like, you can kind of sense just like there is a little bit of a dismay of not being in the picture and, you know, not being able to control the level of credit that he gets or what his reputation is because of the fact that the team does keep losing games. Like you definitely, you feel for him. You know, it's it's funny, actually. You had said earlier in the show that, you know, the dynamic between John Wall and Bradley Beal, clearly something happened that created some separation between them. They weren't on the same page. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if to some degree this was the byproduct of when John Wall was out and Bradley Beal really took his game to another level. 
I, I wonder if even within the Wizards organization, they didn't expect him to be this good. You know what I mean? Like, like in terms of like a, a pecking order and, you know, a hierarchy that would be there, you knew he was very good. I mean, he obviously was a really oh, good I th- player. Yeah, but I think they always thought that, you know, the wall gets hurt and things happen. But, um, like, you... I, they always thought Wall would be the one and Beal would be the two. I don't that, think there's that, any question about that. That's what I'm saying is like all like if maybe some of the problems that they had and if if it had anything to do with how the two of them played together or you know Beal's dissatisfaction with anything, if just this was something that they didn't plan for, like the idea of Bradley Beal really being a guy that I mean we haven't really seen a great opportunity to prove it, but looks like somebody that you could build a team around. You know that he, that he could actually be that level of player because there always had been that expect uh, expectation with John Wall. He was number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I do think that Beal has obviously outplayed any expectation you could have had for him coming out of the draft. That said, though, they're the ones who drafted him, and I think he was a third or fourth pick in that draft. If that's yeah. not what. You- expecting out of a guy that you're picking in that position what are you doing you know like you have a plan for that like <laughs> well so is it is it more us then like just because beal didn't hit as quick like you know you have about an hour um before people make their decision about whether or not you're a, you know a draft success a draft bust before people you know right. if you have the thing or, or if you don't and beal took longer I mean, he just did, and so is that is that more? You think it's more a reflection of us or 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 the Wizards? I, I would say, you know, I, I think he had like we've compared him to Paul George already, or I have. So I'll kind of go back to this. I think Beal had an interesting developmental path where he kind of he picked up one part of his game at once. Like I think he started off like obviously he was a fire three point shooter, and he could keep himself on the floor just by virtue of doing that. Then he started kind of working on his off-dribble game. Then he started kind of getting a little bit better at the pick and roll, but he still wasn't really passing it the right way. Like, he was still figuring out all the reads. Then he figured that out, and then he started kicking it out after that. And then he started, you know, like, developing his in-between post game, And all of that happened, and we saw it in certain places, but it all kind of comes back down to the fact that this team has never really been in the spotlight. So he never had his coming out moment. Whereas like, again, if you look at a guy like Paul George, like the world felt like comparing him to LeBron James immediately, a, because of those Pacers series. And because like, I, th- I think the world was desperate to have somebody to compare to LeBron in the East at that time when no one really liked him. And I just, that, that media dynamic just didn't happen with Beal. And he, he doesn't really seem to have like, he doesn't have like a big playoff rivalry. I don't think like the wizards have been in the mix and they've had some really solid showings, but they don't, they he never had a signature moment. He never had like a series where I think he was toe to toe one-on-one against somebody or anything like that. So I don't think it's like, it's us to the extent that we are attracted to the shiny series or like the shiny rivalry or whatever you want to call it. But I also think it's just the fact that he never had the opportunity to say like, Hey, I've arrived. And like, even in the time that, you know, we haven't really been paying that much attention to him. He's continued to improve. Like he's still, he's in his prime and I think he's going to keep getting better as well. And it's just a matter of like, is it, is, is this team going to do something worthwhile to make us want to pay attention to it, to make it matter? Because yes, it's our fault. Yeah. Like, and he should have been like, he should have been an all-star, 
And that is like him not being an all-star and Trey Young being an all-star is pretty much everything wrong with how we analyze basketball right now, right? Um, But at the same time, like, I don't necessarily blame anybody because as so long as he's doing it for the Wizards in the bigger picture, it just doesn't matter that much. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's one of the interesting things about AD. I mean, and AD, I think is you know as good as Beal is. You know, there's a a level there, but like the that moment where you have that ascending playoff series where you're thought of as the secondary guy, as good as Anthony Davis is, you're the other guy with LeBron, and you know he's bring you whatever it is, and you have that moment where you transcend all of that, and it comes in multiple playoff series, and you just, you know, it, it's 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 like some of the other stuff, like the like John Wall's collapse as an NBA star reflects how hard it is to be good. Mm-hmm. For that long, like you just you, you go back to LeBron. Like LeBron's yeah. been the best player in the NBA for what percent of his seasons? Yeah, like eighty of them, eighty percent, eighty-five percent. He's been the best player in the league, probably, maybe more. Like that's impossible. You know, John Wall was was outstanding and couldn't. You know, like none of these guys can maintain that. Kevin Durant got mm-hmm. hurt. Like I, it is so hard, and context is so important. For whether or not a player gets to be, you know, thought of as you know one of the, the the greats of all time, or that guy who could never quite win, or forgotten about almost completely. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much that isn't in your control as as an NBA player. And I, th- I think like you know, like we can even take this back to Kobe. I think he got he like one of the things that people used to use against him is the fact that, okay, yeah, he stayed with the Lakers, but he was drafted to the Hornets and him and his agent found a way to get him onto the Lakers. But if you look at the rest of the careers surrounding him, you look at Allen Iverson, Tracy McGrady, obviously injuries are kind of a different thing as opposed to where you end up as a team. Like there are so many factors that are out of your control that you're like, you, I understand the player empowerment era. Like I understand the fact, like why these guys are like, Hey, I really need to take some control over my destiny because if I don't make this happen right now, I might not get another chance, especially with your prime. Like you said, like guys get hurt in a blip, like Kevin Durant, like I don't like using the term injury prone, but like he's close. So, you know, if he doesn't get these couple of years in the Warriors, like let's say he decides to stay in OKC and these are, and those were the healthy years he got that he could have, he could have never won a championship, you know. Oh, totally. like that's, that is a legitimate possibility. Yeah, I mean, I asked Kobe, uh, you know, uh, I forget, you know, relatively close to the end of his career, like, what would have happened if you know Jerry West doesn't play the Jedi mind trick on on Calipari? They draft you to mm-hmm. the Nets. The Nets were not a terrible franchise at that point. They were competitive. They were, you know. teams that went to the finals like they weren't awful um like there's a good chance he's successful over there i'm like do you think you still win five rings absolutely you know i'm like how he's like i'd have figured it out but the reality is there's there's no way he wins that many maybe he wins one maybe he wins a couple he doesn't win five like it's hard to see that happening in the same way because so many things had to line up for it in la i think the scope of and like what kind, what separated Kobe, and I think what what separates a lot of these guys that do kind of, I don't know, like the, the, the puppet masters or or whatever you want to call it, like him saying I would have figured it out. Obviously, like 
I wasn't privy to that conversation, but I think that can also mean like I would have figured out a way to get onto a team like the Lakers. I think he means I'd have figured, like he just has the firm belief in, in yeah. himself cool. that he would have won because he's Kobe fucking Bryant and he would have figured yeah. it out. Yeah, but he not always get a vote is sort of what I'm getting at. Yeah. Sorry? It's just he does not like even, is, even when you're Kobe Bryant, you mm-hmm. don't always get a vote. Like that's that's all I'm getting. Like the greatest players of all time don't always get to choose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and it was just like, you know, the, the the even Kobe required a little bit of luck and a little bit of context that other players yeah. don't get. You know, that Jordan, you know, some of the mythology around Jordan doesn't happen the same way if you know, it just it, it, it's one of the th- things that makes sports Mm-hmm. fascinating is yeah. you know how many things have to line up for success well, i mean especially in the count the rings era when you're when you're talking about with kobe for example in terms of uh you you had mentioned before uh sarah just how context and you know just certain certain degrees of luck fate whatever you want to call it shape these guys careers like a guy of kobe's caliber doesn't typically end up drafted on a team that's already really good. I mean, like, you know, the and, you know, that had to do with bringing Shaq in at the exact same time Kobe got drafted. But Kobe ended up on a team that was playoff ready. And, you know, they they made playoff runs before eventually Phil came in and got them all on the same page and over the hump. But if Kobe had come out two years later, the NBA would have been more accustomed to players coming straight out of high school. Because, you know, at the time with Kobe, it wasn't just rare for high school players to make that jump, it was unheard of for a guard. So the idea that a guard of Kobe's caliber could slip to 13, that only happens in 96. Like in 98, 99, there's no way Kobe slips that far because we've just become more accustomed. Wouldn't have mattered if the Nets didn't want to pick him. Right. Exactly. Him at I mean, they, the Nets the Nets, or whatever team would have told, uh, I believe his agent was Arm Tellum at the time, just No. Like we're we're taking him. You want to make this threat that you're going to go to Italy, make the threat. We're taking him. We're keeping his draft rights, whatever. And then Kobe doesn't end up in that exact same scenario where he's in a position where he can win. So just certain things have to line up perfectly. Like the timing was really good for Kobe to end up in that type of situation because he really wanted to be with the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really so. Was Kevin Kevin Garnett was, was the year before? Year before, okay, okay. But even you know, we get the history of you know Moses Malone and any anybody who come out early, you know, done the thing from high school was a, was a big. But there was a lot of skepticism though about Garnett. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there there were a lot of people who thought you know there, there's no way that this skinny kid, you know, at the time he was like a a skinny big man. You know, they're like, there's no way this dude's going to be able to hang in the NBA. He's not going to be able to handle the physicality. He's not ready, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, have you guys read uh, Jonathan Abrams' book? Um, yeah. What, yeah, so. Yeah, we interviewed him about it. Oh, sweet. Okay. Um, Boys Among Men, right? Yeah, I believe that's what it's called. Boys Among Men, yeah. I read that book a couple years ago, and I think, it, like, the, the factors also that, like, especially when you get drafted to a good team that – we don't necessarily consider as much or also like what happens after. Like, I remember one of the things that was interesting to me about the, the Garnett stuff was, you know, Isaiah Thomas had said that if the Raptors had drafted him at that time, that 
you know, if they would have had him like not travel for away games, they would have had him like stay in school and like kind of do an in-between sort of thing. So like, and that that's just an NBA gap year. Yeah, kind of, kind yeah. of. I think it's not, and it's, you know, obviously KG ended up being just fine, but it just goes to show that that transition is, is very difficult. And the thought that you put into, you know, how to help a guy deal with that is also just as important as how talented they are as well. Like, you know, we don't really necessarily know who a lot of these guys would have ended up being if they didn't get drafted to, to a good situation. Like, I think a lot of the reason I don't, I don't think this applies to Kobe. I think Kobe would have been Kobe any anywhere. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think a lot of these guys, like, you know, you see like late lottery picks that turn into great players. It's like, yeah, late, late lottery picks get drafted on the better teams. Like, and they have yeah, you better get to go play. You get to go play with pop. Yeah. You, yeah. you know, <laughs> like it's, it's a, it's a better deal. Yeah. Um, hey, before, before we get to the game that I think you were probably hoping we forgot about, um, <laughs> we forget nothing. I'm telling you, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Even <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you, you that's your, your to find, learn. I'm going to figure out what a Hallmark Christmas movie means. Like it's going to be a good experience. Yes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a we lot tweeted of it. We tweeted it out last week. You wrote a, a, a really great, story off of the uh the the Sarah Fuller, uh, Sarah Fuller game at Vanderbilt um and the the that moment where she goes out and and kicks mm -hmm. um it was it was a very personal column um but there was a lot and so there's a lot going on but I, I you can kind of answer it however you want but the the bigger one of the big questions I had was just why why is something like this? I mean, this moment, especially, you know, where you have a, you know, in the middle of the middle of a pandemic, there's nobody on campus. Like there's no men's team to choose. Like she's literally stepping in, in a situation where like, there's sort of no, like it ought to be just a really good story that makes people feel mm -hmm. good. And it's a shame the, the real shame here is that Vanderbilt is so bad. They couldn't even get up the field and let her do anything. Mm -hmm. Why, why was this such a moment that so many people do you think still felt like they needed to kind of shit on it? Oh God. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I, to me, to be honest, I think that's the least interesting part of like anything that happened. It just, we live in a very strange time. And like the thing that's, I think really disheartening about it is at least for me personally, um, like I believe in stories. Like I think, I think that storytelling good effective storytelling that's honest is a way that we can all kind of come together and like see something from somebody else's point of view mm -hmm. and, and i'm not saying i did that with this column and i wrote it in like two hours like it wasn't like like an amazing story or anything. It, was good, it was a quality two hours sure yeah like but like that's i just want to make clear that i'm not saying that that was that's how i felt about that story um but I, I, th I think I've, I've run into this a couple of times. Like we are so disengaged with what other people are feeling and like willfully. So I think one of the other times that it really hit me was when like the New York times printed that lit, that list of, of the fact that like, you know, a hundred thousand people had died from, from COVID-19 and they had like taken one part of each one of each one of their obituaries and, and made it personal. I thought it was mm -hmm. like a very moving thing. And if, I don't know, if we don't, if we're not capable of allowing something like that to move us or to like immediately want to shirk that away, like I, that, that to me is like the most disheartening 
thing out of all of this because like ultimately you know if you're going to talk about the fact that like yes like other women have yeah other women have uh, (laughs) (laughs) have kicked and like all that stuff like yeah yeah sure fair like that's that's totally fine like i think you know everybody deserves their their rightful place in, in history um but it was it was an inspiring moment because i think everyone's down right now like you know i i spoke about like the reason i wasn't really planning on writing a column like the way that it was just a day it was a saturday and i was like you know what you you know how like when your brain knows it's a saturday and it kind of just goes into like like we're just gonna like the the, the plane's gonna crash now um i call those all days here yeah pretty much um so yeah like it's it's been a personally difficult time as as it has been for a lot of people it's like a lot of people are going through a lot of grief right now um for me my my family personally we we lost our uncle and um we like it's it's and i've seen this in a lot of different places where i think a lot of people are feeling these different sort of pangs of you know like this these moments of inspiration that are coming like at the same time, it's like you're also feeling like the fact that any any type of sports in- inspiration that we get right now is in conflict. But it's also like, you know, like it's 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 also it's also like uh, well, you know, of like everyone is feeling horrible all the time right now. So you get all these pangs of inspiration, and then at the same time, like something else happens, and like your whole day. I feel like my whole day is always like an up and down between things that inspire and deflate me, and it's never felt as acute and i think that's a lot of that it's like we're all on social media more often like we're all kind of feeling a lot more pain than we're used to and i think that's kind of just what i i felt in that moment um and i think a lot of people are feeling like that right now and i think i don't, I don't know man like just take some du- take the dubs where you can at this well, point like, you know it's fu- it's funny actually <laughs> i mean when the nba and and baseball and all these you know these different sports that were returning during the pandemic around the same time there had been this big there have been this big narrative that sports, when it returned, would provide this feeling of normalcy for people, and you know it hasn't, it hasn't uh, bared out in the ratings. You know the the ratings for everything is down, and I mean there's a lot of different reasons for that. But one thing though, and it didn't really hit me until I started seeing this with sports and thinking about it. But in certain ways, sports have actually been a constant reminder of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Between players that test positive, or oh, Andy, stop it! Can... Because I, for one, have long-standing family traditions centered around Wednesday afternoon <laughs> NFL games. So true. Fair. You know, maybe you don't. But, you know, like you, you look into these stands, and the majority of them are empty, or you know, a quarter full at best. And that that feeling of normalcy that mm-hmm. we were supposed to get from sports actually, in certain ways, yeah. has been a provide has been a reminder that nothing actually is normal. Yeah. So, that, so like sort of that that disconnect that you were talking about before and maybe some of the inspiration that people, you know, don't f- take in from sports the way they might or Sarah Fuller's story. And some of that is just people looking to be assholes because that's just what many people do and, you know, wanting to crap on it because it's too woke or whatever. I mean, it's a great story and yeah. it, it's, a, it's a story of accomplishment mm-hmm. and people, if nothing else, should be able to look at it that way. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it became obviously it became politicized in a way that you know as as all things kind of kind of do. Um, but I think Indeed. I think a good really good point that it is a reminder. I just kind of thought like I had um, 
what was it? What was the game? Mich- uh, Michigan State playing du- was playing Duke yesterday, and I just had it on on the background, and it was nice to have you know just to be watching watching some college basketball. But at the same time, it was also it was so quiet, and it was so strange, and it was just like every single thing kind of pangs at you in in such a strange way right now. Like where these these beats are inspiring, and like I I loved what like you know like the bubble basketball was was fantastic and. You know, watch it like I didn't actually watch uh, the fi- the final game, but like you know, like I always root for LeBron, and it's 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 fun. But every single thing has been oddly just mediated through through the the pandemic, obviously, and then also through the fact that like you know, like when you're when you're going through stuff, it's like like for example, like the first time I exercised after after he died, like it was very odd because obviously when you exercise, like you get a ton of endorphins and like, it was kind of the first moment that I got to just forget that it happened. Right. And then as soon as I was done, it was like, it, it came back in a, in a brutal way. Cause like you go from here to here, like right away. And I think, I think that, like I said before, is just what's kind of happening with sports or like any sort of thing that we see online that's inspiring or in our lives, that's inspiring us, like just has, this this uh this bite to it that it's I don't know for me personally it's never it's never really had before and I, th- I think because it's been such a tough year for a lot of people it's kind of a universal feeling yeah I mean I mean it's I talk about this with the parents a lot you know with kids trying to figure out how do you sort of shepherd your kids through these moments like on the one hand you they they, they learn that you know like socially distant soccer practice where you can't scrimmage really it, it sucks relative to actual soccer practice where you get to play and you get to roll around and, you know, <laughs> do all the stay home stuff. I'm sorry. I just saw somebody saw your keyboard behind you. They want, and they want you to perform. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's, a little solo. That's new. It's a, it's a new hobby. Not for a long time. Like. <laughs> <laughs> next, week, next, next appearance. Um, and like, so like, but, but at the same time, like they've, they've all learned like, but it's better than not being able to play at all. Like you, you, they get excited about the opportunity to like go to the park and not really be able to hang with your friends, but wave to them. Like you start to, you, you do learn things from it, but each one of those things, like you say, is a reminder of why it sucks. You know, I mean, it, it's just, it sucks. It just sucks. Like it all sucks. Yeah. I have no other. That's there's well, not a, there's no question in there. It's you know just, what doesn't? You know what does not suck? Uh oh. <laughs> Hallmark Christmas movie oh, game. So Sorry, you could so not funny. avoid it. Yeah, yeah. Going to play well, it your other eight. choice is, is an extended eight minute keyboard solo. <laughs> two choices. <laughs> it is a land. It is a Land of Lakers podcast tradition, and you know, just so people understand, we did not spring this on you. We cleared it. We ran it past you. You said you were down to play. This is something Brian and I do every year, but we're reverse engineering it because typically it's just me quizzing Brian. The way this is going to work, usually I give Brian um, I give Brian a title and he tries to guess the plot. This time around, I'm going to give you guys both a plot and then three potential titles of this Hallmark Christmas movie. Two are fake. One is real. You will try to guess the real title. And Sirit, I, I know you said before you're not uh, familiar with Hallmark Christmas movies. You will you will uh, pretty quickly pick out uh, the pattern. The plots are all basically the same. 
And the titles are both cheesy and very much on the nose all the time. Like the, these are not subtle movies. The, these are not movies that you go to like to think about for days afterwards. You're not supposed to think at all. So anyway, we begin. Oh, movie, no, movie number one. Okay. Bakery owner Molly meets Josh, a widower who recently moved to town with his young son. But she is also charmed by a mysterious client whom she never met in person and doesn't realize they're the same man. Is the name of this movie? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> ba bakery owner Molly meets Josh, a widower who recently moved to town with his young son, but is also charmed by a mysterious client she had been before that she had never met in person and doesn't realize they're the same man. The mysterious client is Josh. Oh, okay. It's, but She's not met in person. This. Okay. I was confused. Okay. Like, right. For a second, I thought he put on a pair of like glasses and we couldn't no, tell this who is he was. The synopsis. Why are there so many bakery owners in movies? Oh, oh, oh. There, there's it's... so much overrepresentation of bakery owners. <laughs> 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 this was the, not the diversity you were looking for in, in your uh, entertainment. Um, the titles you can choose from. Christmas Cookies, Deliver by Christmas, A Christmas Confection. Which is the real one? Brian goes first. Christmas Going Movie. Deliver by Christmas. Spirit. Uh, can you say them again? Christmas Cookies, uh -huh. Deliver by Christmas, A Christmas Confection. You can choose also too, Brian's, if, if you think that's the correct Brian's. one. I'm going to go with Brian's. You are correct. It is, in fact, delivered by Christmas. So one one to one, Sir, you're doing great so far. And you are correct. Every By law, 65% of all Hallmark Christmas movies are about bakeries. Okay. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And, they're, and they are all too about somebody. <laughs> they're often about somebody going back to their hometown. Movie number two, when Anna offers a stranded mother and son shelter in a blizzard, she learns that they are the, they are the royal family of Galwick, which is in Ireland. I had to look it up. Anna shows the prince how they do Christmas in her hometown, encouraging him to open his heart and be true to himself. Is the title of this movie Sugar, Sugar Plum Princess, One Royal Family, or One Royal Christmas? Sirit goes first. I'm gonna go with one roll of Christmas. Brian, oh, I think she's right. Um, I'm gonna go with one royal Christmas as well. Oh, you're both so close. It's one royal family. Oh, not one royal Christmas. I tell you what, the first family. sentence of that synopsis, you know, <laughs> on a different network takes a very different turn. <laughs> you, you, you welcome the family in during a blizzard, and then it becomes <laughs> Saw Eight. But next movie, two seemingly incompatible game designers. <laughs> because <laughs> the assumption is they would naturally yes. just get along swimmingly team right? up to create a romantic citywide scavenger hunt themed for the 12 days of christmas is the name of this movie on the 12th date of christmas five oh. golden rings or two turtle loves brian oh man i gotta on say two turtle loves feels like a different movie <laughs> five golden rings could be it but the, the what was the first one the 12 days of on, on the 12th date of, of christmas i would say that's two on the nose except we are talking about hallmark movies but i'm still going to go with five golden rings one syrup because i feel like that's what you need yeah. to chase down as part of the citywide scavenger hunt 
I'm going to go with the first one on the 12th date of Christmas. Sirit takes the oh. lead on the 12th date of Christmas. I made up the other two. So two to one, Sirit. When an accident puts her music dreams on hold, a gifted violinist <laughs> reconnects with an old family friend who helps her heal and find love during the holidays. Is the name of this movie The Christmas Melody, The Christmas Note, or The Christmas Bow? I'm sorry, I stopped listening because as soon as you said uh, the part about the 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 um the musician, I, I saw Sirit just quickly look over her shoulder at the keyboard and be like, that could be me. So I stopped listening. I'm trying to think of a joke I could make, and then I just didn't have anything. <laughs> a, a gifted violinist reconnecting with an old family friend finds love during the holidays. The Christmas melody, the Christmas note, or the Christmas bow, like a like a bow with a violin. Sirik goes first. Double entendre. Oh, uh, yes. A lot of these have it. Um... It must be fun to to come up with these names. Oh, it was so much fun. I ran them past my wife because she knows these movies well. She said I did a great job. Okay, so it's Christmas Note, Christmas Bow, or... Christmas Melody. I'm taking out Bow because I think that's a little bit too cute for the, you know... Nothing is too cute for, for, for this yeah, genre. I, I, I don't want to cheat for you. But... It's just not quite like what you were saying earlier. Like I, the reason I ended up going with the uh, the original pick of like of of Twelfth uh, Night was just like this this type of thing seems like they would just do the most obvious. Oh, they often do. So what's I'm trying to like? What's more obvious between note and melody? I'm gonna go with melody. I'm Brian. going with note. Oh, it is the Christmas bow, Sirit. It oh! is. <laughs> this was one of the this was one of the more intellectual ones. <laughs> Next thing, you know, and you know what? I should have trusted that. I should, should trust, trust. And you talked me out of it, so I was like, "That is a compelling argument she makes." Okay. <laughs> Next one. Charles Whitley travels from 1903 to 2020, That's where he does. meets, yeah, where he meets <laughs> Megan Turner a tour guide at his historic mansion and experiences a 21st century Christmas. Is this called a time for Christmas holiday travel or a timeless Christmas? So he is to be, to be, to clarify that she is the tour guide at the mansion. That is his mansion that he time <laughs> traveled to. Yes. Uh, apparently according to the official synopsis, that is zany. What are the times again? What are the titles? A time for Christmas. Yes. Holiday travel. Or a timeless Christmas. I'm pretty sure zany is actually the words that they use in the pitch. <laughs> I think it's a timeless Christmas. Uh, Sirrah. I'll go with a time for Christmas. Oh, Brian, tying it up. It is a timeless mm -hmm. Christmas. Timeless Christmas. Two to two. A couple more to go. Only 18 left. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this one, by the way, all-star cast. It has Mia Kirshner, Ben Savage from Boy Meets World, and Marilou Henner as, <laughs> yes, as Christina. Mia Kirshner is doing Hallmark movies now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah she is. That yes, is a change in IMDb page. <laughs> yes, it is. As Christina prepares <laughs> her restaurant for its busiest time of year. <laughs> She gets. She says we're going to need you to be able to read the clue. It's not that funny. It's just no. It, <laughs> I mean, it is. It really occurred to me just how ridiculous this one is. <laughs> All right. Okay. Take a breath. 
Huh. <laughs> <laughs> she gets a DNA. Test. Oh. <sighs> All right, come on. <laughs> she gets a DNA test revealing that she, she's Jewish. <laughs> the discovery. Wait, what? She gets a DNA test revealing that she's Jewish. The discovery leads her to a new family and an unlikely romance over eight nights. Is the title of the movie Eight Holiday Kisses, Love Lights, Hanukkah, or A Very Merry Menorah? Sirat. I just, I, I hope it's A Very Merry Menorah. <laughs> 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 it's a real movie. I'm going through that. You know, when, when you said that at first, I was kind of worried that the, like this was going to be a movie where she had an existential crisis over whether she could still celebrate Christmas. I'm glad it went. I'm glad it went in the direction of romance. I'm just confused that somebody can go get genetically tested as Jewish. I but like that's. I mean, like, wouldn't that show you that like somebody in your family might? But like, yeah, but like. I look, I can't go take a DNA test and suddenly become an Episcopalian. Like that's not how this works. This is the this is the synopsis. You're probably correct. There's probably a better way of putting it. But anyway, um, so which one did you choose? (laughs) Results came back. Eight (laughs) holidays. Yes, that's why I started laughing. It really dawned on me how ridiculous this is. Eight holiday kisses. Love lights Hanukkah. A very merry menorah. Oh, it's me. I, I picked a, a very merry menorah. Just because you hope it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I agree. The name of this movie needs to be a very merry menorah. Unfortunately, it is Love Lights Hanukkah, and this is uh, a real thing. What are like? Come on, guys. <laughs> Two competing TV hosts are sent to a festive small town over Christmas. While pretending they get along for the sake of appearances, they discover there's more to each other than they thought. Is the name of this movie <laughs> that's Lights, lazy even for a Hallmark movie? <laughs> Lights Camera Christmas, Good Morning Christmas, or Christmas Live? Brian goes first. Uh, Lights Camera Christmas. Sear it. Oh, good old buddy comedy. Um, I'll go with Lights Camera Christmas, too. Oh, you're both correct. It is Lights Camera Christmas. We are down to the final movie. You're tied, so the winner gets it. I have a bonus just in case we need it. But And this one, by the way, was the last one because it stars uh, Lacey Chabert, who has become a fixture of oh, the yeah, Hallmark, she's a regular now from Party of the Hallmark Five. Christmas. Yeah. After Avery, Avery's a girl. After Avery's storybook Christmas wedding is canceled unexpectedly. My God, these people are jerks to cancel a Christmas wedding. Dance instructor Roman helps her rebuild her dreams. Is the name of this movie the Mistletoe Minuet, Christmas Waltz, or the Nutcracker Suite, S-W-E-E-T, right. Mm -hmm. The Mistletoe Minuet, the Christmas Waltz, or the Nutcracker Suite? S W E E T. Brian goes first. Okay. I'm going Christmas Waltz. Oh, me too. Which makes it, I mean, you both tie. Yeah. You tie. It's four to four. We have not had this before. I've, I've got a bonus one. Do you want to try to break it? Are we both right? Yeah. We're both right. Okay. We're both right. Do you want to try to break the tie? I've got one more. This is basically to... a referendum on how competitive is Syrup. Yes, Syrup. You thought you were going to get smoked in this thing. Yeah. 
This isn't Europe. We're gonna we're gonna break the tie. <laughs> so yes or no? Yes. Okay. Final one. After moving back to her hometown, Lisa plots with her siblings and grandparents to help her father's new bed and breakfast get a five-star <laughs> review from an incognito travel critic, but ends up falling for him, not knowing he is the real critic. Is the name of this movie <laughs> a Christmas review? R-E-V-I-E-W, -R -R -E as opposed to a review, like a production. I think we got it. A critical Christmas or five-star Christmas? Sirit goes first. A Christmas review, a critical Christmas, or five-star Christmas? Man, a lot of these movies are just about guys lying to women via email. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're going to do... We're, gonna we're do not good people. <laughs> five-star Christmas. All right. That was going to be my choice, but there must be a winner here. What were my other choices? A Christmas review uh -huh. or a critical Christmas? Oh, I'm going to go Christmas review. Of the other two, I think that's more likely, but I do think Sirit is correct. Sirit is correct. Yes. Sirit is your champion. It is five-star Christmas. Aren't you glad you played now? I am. Aren't you glad you played? That was fun. Yeah, I told you. It's it's a fun game. It's a really fun game. It, you are correct. Coming up with these titles was a lot of fun. It was actually, a, I test drove him past my wife. She thought I really nailed these things. So, you did a honestly. Thank you. Thank you very much. Again, a very Mary Menorah is the name that that movie should have. <laughs> it really, <laughs> it really ought to have been. <laughs> I still, I, 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 how the hell did they get that one past the, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you get why I really started laughing, right? I mean, like, I really, it dawned on me just how <laughs> it's like you, you have genetic markers for early Alzheimer's. Also, you're a Jew. <laughs> like that's, that's essentially. I, it really was, it really, really was insane. Like just how freaking ridiculous this thing was, but which one? again, congratulations. Oh, that, that movie. Good job. Thank you. Uh, do you, well, are you any more excited now to watch some of these movies, Sarah? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> that is, by the way, the correct answer. <laughs> that is definitely the correct answer. Sarah Zoe from Yahoo Sports uh, writes, does fantastic work covering the NBA. Uh, we love your stuff. Thank you again for, for coming on, uh, staying a little bit late to indulge Andy um, in his Hallmark game, um, which he's very proud of. I am uh, proud of it. I'm not going to lie. And uh, hopefully we can do this again when, uh, you know, now that the NBA is, is like rolling back in. We all had about a 47-second offseason, and we'll, we're, we're back into it. Ready to go. Ready to go. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This was a lot of fun. Especially Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, we love having you on. Uh, tomorrow we've got Lindsey Jones from The Athletic going to get into some NFL, uh, try to figure out if the Rams can get themselves back on track, try to figure out if the season will actually uh, – continue because it's a uh, sort of uh, chock full of covid of late so we'll <laughs> see what's going <laughs> see what's going on with that and we can get through it all uh, again land of lakers podcast crossover delicious pizza go visit it two locations hollywood west adams uh, great pizza local business supported by a massive you will be supporting a massive massive laker fan if you go to delicious pizza 20 percent off if you use the password Cam Brothers, we will see everybody tomorrow. Donkey Nederland. <laughs> <laughs>